when God sets you up. You ever been set up by God? If you've been serving Him for very long, I'm sure that you've been set up. But I want to put a positive spin on that today. But before I do that, I would like to mention to you that two weeks from today is a big day for us here at Spirit Life Church. As you know, when some of us were discussing, boy, it just seems like that this summer has just raced by. I mean, it, it just has gone so quickly, it seems to me. Uh, but on August 9th, many of our school systems in the area will be starting back to school. And so we, as we always do, the Sunday prior to, to back to school, we're going to have a back to school anointing service for all of our children and for those who are educators and work in the school system. Doesn't matter which school system it is, if you're an educator, uh, we want to pray with you and for you. And we have a gift that we want to sow into your life. I've been carrying mine in my pocket now for a couple of weeks. Uh, we decided to go a little different direction this, this year. And what we have for our children and for our educators is a key fob that you can hook this on to a chain. And then, in fact, we're going to give you the chain as well. And then you can hook it onto your purse or your backpack or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I told Paul I wanted mine before he started drilling holes in them because I've been carrying mine in my pocket. And every now and then I pull it out and I read this passage of Scripture found in Psalm chapter 91, verse 11. It says, And he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. And I carry that with me. And every time I get into a place, I just think, angels, I release you to do in my life and on my behalf what needs to be done today. We want all of our children to have this in their pockets or in their backpacks so that every day of this school year, whether it's preschool or elementary school, middle school, high school, college, whatever, we want to pray for you on that day. And then after church is over, we're going, to have, we're going to have popsicles. So if you don't come for the prayer, at least come from the, the popsicle, right? While you're licking your popsicle, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you without your permission. We'll do it anyway. I'm only kidding. It's going to be a big day. I have invited a special guest to be with us. I met Cheryl Tinsley just a few months ago when she was... Uh, going through our credentialing process with the Church of God. I serve on that board, and so I have the opportunity uh, to work with all of the young adults and, and various uh, ages who are trying to get credentials with the Church of God so that they can be involved in ministry in our organization. And I met Cheryl, and I heard her testimony, and I was immediately impressed with what God is able to do in a life and uh, Cheryl was out on Lake Huron several years ago with some of her friends. And a storm, a freak storm came up. They said this kind of storm only arises anywhere from 10 to 12 years. They happened to be out on the lake that day in their canoes having a big time when this storm arose. And all of them perished with the exception of Cheryl. And God saved her life. 
And she has been involved now for several years working with young people all around the country, giving her testimony of what God can do when you dedicate your life to Him. And I have invited her to come. She is the author of this book. It's entitled Wave by Wave, a memoir of survival faith and how God works. And I've asked her to come and to share with us that day for all ages. This is for everyone. She's uh, probably, I'm guessing now, but I'm going to guess she's in her mid-50s at this point. And so she's not a young lady. Is that not true? It's not nice. Well, she'll have to forgive me then. Uh, many of you have had to do that through the years as well. And uh, I've, I've lived this long. But anyway, I'm trying to say she's not a teenager. She's, she's been around a while and she's been working with young people. And she has, even this summer, been in Michigan working at various youth camps and giving her testimony and, and praying with and counseling young people. So I want you to be here. Now listen, I'm going to speak to you from a pastor's heart today. I, I know that we have a tendency around here uh, that when we have a special guest, some of you feel like that's a wonderful time to go somewhere else or to stay home, or whatever the case may be. I'm not inviting her so that you can take a day off from church. I'm inviting you because I feel like that she has something important to share with us. I've prayed about this. I've sought the Lord about this. This would be a wonderful time for you to invite someone to come and be in service with us that day. I want us to pack the house out, not so that I can call the state office and say we were packed out. I don't operate like that. But what I want is to have as many ears in this house on that day so that they can hear the word of the Lord as it comes through a servant who has been through some very dark days in her life and has survived it all with the help of the Lord. So these books will be available on that day. We'll allow her to do a book signing if you'd like for her to sign yours. I've got a signed copy here, so you can't have mine. Uh, but you can get one for yourself and read it, and I know that it will be a blessing for you. So we've got a lot of things going on that day. That afternoon, after we worship together, we're going together at Broad Run, and we're going to have our annual church picnic from 4 o'clock until whatever. Church is going to provide the meat and the, the, the drinks and that kind of thing. We're just asking you to bring a side and maybe a dessert, something like that. Wear your, wear, wear your uh, play clothes, if I can say it like that, and come ready to just have a good time. And let's spend some time as the family of God just hanging out together. And let's have a wonderful day. August the 6th, that's two weeks from today. And I know we'll have a blast if you'll come. And I'm really believing that this day, this service, is going to be uh, the beginning of something that God is going to do in us and through us that we're not even expecting, but He already knows what it's going to be. You know, the Lord has kind of burdened my heart lately. Uh, I read an article not too long ago that says that churches are having very difficult times getting pastors these days because there's not enough pastors to go around. At our last camp meeting, our administrative bishop, Dr. Tony Cooper, 
said that we don't have enough preachers of the gospel, pastors, to fill even the churches that we have in the Church of God in Kentucky. We have churches that are going without pastors because we don't, we don't have enough. And we need some young men and women of God to feel and sense a call, a divine call upon their life. And as your pastor, I have been amiss by not suggesting and preaching and praying that more of our young people will rise up and be called of God. I believe we have men and women in our church that if they would tune their ears to the, to the, the voice of God, they might discover that God has called them to ministry. And I know that that's a frightening thought. Listen, I was raised in a pastor's home. And the thought of being a pastor myself was just something that I fought as much as I possibly could. But listen, I really believe that Jesus is coming again soon. I believe Scripture tells us that He's coming. And I know what the argument is. Well, that's been preached and talked about for years and years and years, and He hasn't come yet. But what if today is the day? What if this year is the year? We don't know when Jesus is going to come again. In fact, Scripture tells us that only the Father knows when Jesus is going to be dispatched to this earth to bring us out of here. So I don't know when, but here's what I do believe. I believe that as long as we remain upon this earth, we, the ambassadors of Christ, the representatives of the kingdom of God, must preach without apology the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want our church to be one of those that's doing that. Amen? So let's prepare ourselves for that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to take them and turn with me to Psalm chapter 105. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this thought, divine logistics, when God sets you up. Divine logistics, when God sets you up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this lovely time of worship this morning. Thank you for our choir, our singers, our musicians who have done an excellent job leading us to the throne room today. I thank you for our greeters that have smiled at people and prepared the atmosphere so that people could enter into this sanctuary in peace and being comforted in knowing that they are in the right place in this moment to contact you and be uh, in relationship with Jesus Christ. I thank you for our prayer team that meets every service prior to our church starting. And they pray for us and they intercede, not only for us, but for our community and our city and our world. And I thank you for each and every one of them. And Lord, I'm just glad to be on the team today. I, I feel so unworthy to be able to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet at the same time, I am fully aware that you have selected each and every one of us to live in this moment at this time when this world could very well be at its very end. You've selected us and anointed us to live here and to preach and to represent you. And I pray that you'll help us to do it with a fervency unlike anything that we've known in our lifetime. 
so that souls can be brought into the kingdom of God. And Lord, we give you praise and we glorify you and we honor you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God set you up. God has set us up for this time and for this season. And he's going to use those who will obey his command to be involved in expanding the kingdom of God. In Psalm chapter 105, I want us to look at verses 16 through 19. And I will be reading from the CSB this morning as I have been throughout this year. And beginning at verse 16, and it will be on the screen as well, it says, He called down famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, They hurt his feet. Some versions say the soles of his feet with shackles. And his neck was put in an iron collar. Until the time that his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. And that's verse 19, verses 16 through 19. So this morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about this idea that God is in control. That He is involved with setting us up and the divine logistics are in place. Everybody knows what a logistic is. It's basically a plan. It's laying out a future and being able to get your eyes and your mind focused on it so that you can put your energies into where you're going and not where you've come from. Listen, it's okay to be proud of where you've come from, but we can't live our lives in the past. We have to live our lives toward the future. And the only way that we can do that is to trust that God is ordering our steps. Do you know that God is ordering your steps that every step that you take is designed for you by God himself. It's easy for us to declare today that God is in control because he is the one who orders our steps. Every moment that we are awake, every moment that we are moving, God is moving us toward his divine will for our lives. And so I want us to see today From this short passage of Scripture, some key ideas. Let's read through it here. First of all, verse 16. It says, He, who do you think He is? It's God. God called down divine famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. Now, for those of you who are tied into this prosperity gospel, you might want to close your ears for just a few moments 
Because I need to tell you today that sometimes God is about allowing negative things and hard things and difficult things to come into your life so that He can move you away from where you are and toward the future of blessing that He has in store for you. God was responsible for destroying the food supply in the land when Joseph was alive and he was bringing them to a place where they would have no place to look but to the man that God had sent to do his bidding. And that's what you, I want you to see in verse 17. In a situation where life was hard, life was difficult, their food supply had been taken away, life was not as good as it had been in the past or as good as it could be. But in that moment, I want you to notice verse 17. It said, He who God had sent. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Had sent. Doesn't that sound like something that's already been accomplished? Doesn't that sound like something that God has already done? Doesn't it sound like that it's already in motion? That God has already thought this thing through and He has put the logistics in place that are going to bring a Savior, if I can say it that way, so that He can do the kinds of things that will bring people to a place of repentance. He said, the Lord had sent a man ahead of them. He was already there. When God took away the food supply, Joseph was already in place. He was already there. Now, you know the story of Joseph. Verse 17 reminds us that he had been sold into slavery. He was a man of promise. He was a child of promise. He, he was loved by his dad. And yet his brothers hated him. And his brothers sold him into slavery. Some of them actually wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. But some of them said, no, let's don't kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. Let's put him in this pit and we can figure out what to do with him. And you know the story. Some, some uh, people came by and they saw him and they sold him into slavery. And then he was sold into the house of, of, of Potiphar in the kingdom. And, and he was there. And the Bible says that they treated him difficultly in a, in a difficult situation. Verse 18 says, they hurt his feet with shackles. The soles of his feet were bound up. He could not move. He could not go at his own bidding. He had been put into a situation, brought out of his beautiful life that he had had. And now he's in prison and he is a slave. It would be easy for us to say that doesn't sound like a blessing from God. But you see, we have misdiagnosed at times what is a blessing and what is not a blessing. And sometimes our greatest blessings come when we go through difficult times in our lives because they bring us to a place that we would never get to had it not been for our difficulty. If it had not been for the hard times, we'd never know what God it would be able to do in our lives and through us. 
The Bible says they put shackles upon his feet, and then they put his neck in an iron collar. Now, can you imagine being in a situation like that today? Can you imagine in your life being put in prison, put in jail? And yet God had him there for a reason. The Bible says that God sent him. God wanted Joseph to be there. God divinely prepared the logistics that would move Joseph from his place of pleasure and prosperity to a place of prison, in imprisonment. God had allowed that to happen. Now, let me just stop long enough to tell you, some of you today are dealing with some very difficult situations in your life. Some of you are going through hardships. Some of you get up every morning and instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for this day, you are more apt to say, oh, man, it's another day that I have to face that and go through that. I get it. It's not fun to go through difficult situations. <clears throat> but let me, let, let, you, let me remind you today <clears throat> that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, all things are possible if we will simply believe in him. So there has to be a shift of our mindset. There has to be a place where we say, I had no intention of being a prisoner in my life. I had no intention of being in slavery. This is not what I had ordered up for my life. And yet, I'm here because God sent me. Now you say, well, that's Joseph. You know, that was just Joseph. But let me tell you that there were many people in Scripture that ended up in difficult times because God had divinely arranged the logistics of their life. Just think about Moses. In fact, if you read down just a little bit further in Psalm chapter 105, you'll see that when it came time for God to set them free from the bondage of Egypt, he sent Moses. Moses spent the first 40 years of his life in, in great prosperity. And then the next 40 years of his life, he was in preparation on the backside of a desert. And then God called him out of that desert situation and sent him into a place where he could deliver God's people from their bondage. But he sent Moses. Moses didn't want to go. He said, look, get somebody else to go. I, I, I don't think that I'd be good at this. I don't think that my skill set would match what needs to take place in this given situation. I think you need to get somebody else. And if you're going to make me go, at the very least, let me take my brother Aaron with me because Aaron at least knows how to talk. Aaron at least knows how to address people and doing it well. And, and so at least let me take him. And so God allowed him to take Aaron, but he still required that Moses go and fulfill what God had called him to do. Moses went. And because he was obedient to the call of God upon his life, he was able to lead the Israelites out of the Egyptian bondage. So God sent Moses. God sent Esther. You remember the story of Esther? You know, I was thinking about that and meditating upon that this week. Esther was sexually abused in her process. The Bible says that when she presented herself to the king, she was a virgin at the time. And yet, 
the king, who was a very wicked man, was trying out the young ladies to see which one that he would want to spend life with him and as the queen. And so he's trying out these young ladies. Let me ask you young ladies today. If, you're, if your husband, the man you were dating, was trying out all the young ladies, you wouldn't have wanted to marry him, would you? It's a very different way of thinking about things, but that's the way it worked in those days. And by the way, I'm told that there's a wonderful movie that's out right now that addresses this very issue of sexual abuse and slavery among our young children. I've not gone yet. I started to say I've not had the opportunity, but I have had the opportunity, but I haven't gone yet. And here's the reason. Because I know, and I told somebody this, I know that when I go, I'm going to come out mad. I'm going to come out angry. I'm going to whip, I'm going to want to whip somebody's tail in. Somebody give me an amen, please, or at least pray for me. I just know. And, and I know I can't back this scripturally, but there's going to be a special place in hell for people who come against children and do them harm. I didn't plan to preach that, but that's free. You don't have to, that's all free. You didn't have to do anything for that. It's exactly what happened to Esther. She's in that environment and her life is given over to that. She becomes the queen and you know the story. She is asked to put her life on the line for her people. And she was told, who knows but what you were brought into this place, into this kingdom for such a time as this. God had prepared her to be in the right place at the right time to make a difference in her world. Do you remember Rahab in the Old Testament? Rahab was placed in the right place at the right time. I know she was a prostitute. She worked in a house of ill repute. And when the, and, and when the spies came in that night, they were being chased by the enemy and they were trying to find the place, and they went into Rahab's place. They went into the house of ill repute. But it was because of Rahab that their lives were spared. And they told her, they said, if you will hang this cloth outside of your window when we come to attack, your house will be saved. Your house will be all right. And Rahab did exactly that. Did you know that Rahab's name is found in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself? So don't tell me that God can't use certain types of people. God can use anybody that he wants to use, and he will set them up and put them in the right place at the right time so that they can make a difference in the kingdom of God. God sent Rahab. You remember John the Baptist? God sent John the Baptist before Jesus. He was the forerunner. He was the one who would say, I'm not worthy to even unlatch the, the, his sandals and take them off. I'm not worthy of that. He's the one that will come. John the Baptist was sent by God himself. I've often thought about John the Baptist, and his ministry lasted about a year. Did you know that? 
John was one of those guys that everybody was following. He was the up and coming. He was the one that everybody wanted to get around. He had disciples before Jesus had disciples. And yet his ministry lasted but just a short period of time. Because when Jesus showed up on the scene, John the Baptist knew that I need to point everybody to him. Because I can only do so much but my job is to point them toward the Savior, the Messiah. I don't know, I feel a little bit like John the Baptist today because I just want people to know that Jesus is the one who came and died and rose again and lives and is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's coming again to receive us unto himself. Jesus is the one worthy to be praised. Speaking of Jesus, God sent Jesus. I mean, from the very foundations of the earth, Jesus was the lamb that had been set aside to come and shed blood for you and for me. Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus today? Aren't you thankful for all of the people that God has sent into our lives? This week I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how blessed I've been. Gene Rice called me. You guys know Dr. Rice. He's, uh, he's served in many different high-level positions in the church of God. I don't know why Dr. Rice or what Dr. Rice saw in me. Several years ago, he just kind of connected himself to me. And in our early days here, if it hadn't, hadn't been for the ministry of Dr. Rice and his wife, Betsy, there would have been times that we would have never made it. We'd have never made the budget. But he helped us in ways that, that no one else did. And every now and then he'll just call me and he'll give me a quick one or two minute sermon. He, he's, he's called me and preached to me about Jonah. And tell me, told me about the whale and Jonah. You know, the whale wanted Jonah when nobody else did. The, the, the jail delivered Jonah to the place where God could meet him. I mean, he, he preached that kind of stuff to me all the time. The other day he called me and he said, Rob, he said, you know, did you ever think about the Good Samaritan? I said, well, yeah, Dr. Rice, as a matter of fact, I've thought about him several times. I've preached about him a few times. He said, let me give you a three-point sermon outline about the Good Samaritan. He said, first of all, the thief came by and looked at the one who had been robbed and beaten and stricken and on the side of the road. And the thief said, what's, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. He said, and then the priest went by and the priest said, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And then he said, the good Samaritan came by and he looked at the man and he said, What's mine is ours, and we're going to share it. That's all he said to me. I mean, just in a few short minutes, Dr. Rice said, Rob, I love you. Betsy and I are praying for you. I don't know how in the world he does it, but he always calls me just when I'm about ready to give up. Did you ever be in, have you ever been in a place like that where you're just ready to throw in the towel and say, I've done everything that I know to do? And then somebody 
will give you a call. Somebody will just stop by. Somebody will just send you a text. Someone will just be, listen, it's not an accident when those kinds of things happen. It's divine logistics. God has already prepared their heart. They've already put you on their mind. That God has already let them know that you are in need of someone to stand by them in the heat of the battle. God has already sent a man, a woman into your life who can help you through your darkest day. Aren't you glad for that today? So I'm getting ready to close. But I want to point out four things real quick that I think we need to understand about this passage of Scripture. And it is this. Number one, he knows the plan. How many of you know that God is never sitting in heaven going, uh-oh. Man, they've really messed up. I'm going to have to go to plan B. Listen, Jesus doesn't have plan Bs. He just has a plan. And he already knows that you're going to mess up. He already knows you're going to miss it. He already knows that you're going to have a bad attitude. He already knows you're going to make a wrong choice. And we put his plan together. He put your failures in the plan. He put your mistakes as a, a factor involved in the plan. He, he put your bad attitude into the equation of the plan. He knows what the plan for your life is. He knows what the plan for my life is. And he's not worried about it because he knows. He knows where he's taking you. He knows where you're going. He knows what he's got up in store for you. He knows he knows, he knows, he knows. Did you ever say, God, do you even know what I'm going through? God, do you even feel what I'm feeling? Oh, you see, when we start talking like that, and when we start living like that, we're living by our feelings and not by faith in the Word of God. We're living by what this world is saying to us instead of what God has already said. And I'm always reminded that we are touched with the feelings of a high priest who has experienced everything that we've experienced, and yet he did it without sin. He knows exactly what you're going through. Listen, there are times that I can only empathize with you because I've never been through what you've been through. I've been married to Miss Donna for soon 45 years, so it's hard for me to be able to say to somebody who's been through divorce and experienced the pain of it, it's hard for me to say I can relate to that because I can't relate to that. I've not experienced it. I've not been through it. But I can empathize with someone. I can feel and pray and, and bless you in Jesus' name. But I want you to know that Jesus, and I don't know how this happens because there are many things that Jesus has never experienced because he sinned but he knows what you're going through. He is able to give you what you need in the moment that you need it. He has a plan for you, and he knows what your plan is. He is, he is ordering your steps. He knows the plan. And here's the part that I like. He trusts the man. 
He trusts the man. He put Joseph there. He could have put any of the other brothers there, but he trusted Joseph. He allowed Joseph to go through what Joseph went through because he trusted him. He said, how do you know that? Well, because he, look at verse 19. Until the time his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. God tested Joseph. He was tested. He was tried. He was true in his faith. Listen again, I, I, I just need to tell you that we don't see God as one who tests people. He's not going to tempt you to sin. He doesn't tempt you, but he'll test you. He will allow trying times to come to your life so that you can be positioned so that he can work through you properly. I don't know. I lost a, a good friend of mine in this last week. His name was John Schneider. Pastor in Illinois with me, we used to golf together. We used to, we used to go fishing together. We just, We've laughed together so many times, I, I've even forgotten. And the Lord just, the Lord took him. When I did a little looking into the situation, it says that he died of acute bronchitis, is what his wife posted. Acute bronchitis. I looked it up, I googled it, what is acute bronchitis? And you know what acute bronchitis is? It's a common cold. And when I thought about that, I saw, I sat down on the deck and I said, Lord, you would take John with a common cold. There has to be more to the story. I don't know. But I just thought to myself, and Donna even mentioned to me, it was either this morning or late last night, she said to me, a lot of our friends are dying. And I thought, well, that's morbid. Leave it to Donna to come up with something like that. She's right. A lot of our friends are dying. And so every day I look at myself and I pinch myself and say, Lord, thank you for life. I read an article just a few days ago, and I was thankful for this. The article says that if you live to be 65 years old and you are in relatively good health, there's a strong possibility that you will live to your mid-80s. I'm 64 and a few months. I'm praying, God, please let me get to 65. I... If I can just make it to January, hallelujah. If I can just make it. You know what I'm saying? It's like we want to live. We, we want to be blessed of God. God trusts us with our difficulties. He trusts us with our trials. He trusts you to live in this moment, in this time, in this day. I read the newspapers and, and I watch the news and all that kind of stuff. And there are times I just 
scratch my head in absolute disbelief because I feel like that our entire culture and society has lost their ever-living mind. I don't know if it's true or not, but I read this week that somebody paid $16,000 to change their gender from a man to a dog. Can you believe that? Where's common sense? Where's common sense? You know, we've lost our minds. And then it dawns on me, listen, let me, let me rephrase that. I haven't lost my mind. My, my mind is safe and secure. Because I believe in this book and what this book teaches. I started thinking, how can people come up with this stuff? They're mad at one of the, one of the people in Washington because he's holding up the judge appointments. Because he does not want the army to pay the medical bills for those who want to change their gender. And he's holding it up. And they're mad at him. Let people be whatever they want to be, he said, they say. We've lost our... Listen, I'm thankful to be on God's team in these last days. But listen, we're not going to get the job done by being mad at everybody. Because here's the thing. And it just it dawned on me just recently. Instead of me being angry at somebody who's lost their mind, I have to be compassionate for them. I have to, instead of being angry, I need to have compassion for them. You know why? Because if they're in sin, they have no ability to see the truth of the Scripture. Their minds are depraved according to Scripture. They can't even think straight. And so for me to be angry with somebody when their mind is in a depraved state is not the proper way. God trusts me to love them even when the world gets crazy like it is right now, our job is to love them. So my question to you is, can God trust you? Can God trust you to be where he puts you? Can God trust you to operate according to his will? Can he trust you? He knows the plan. He trusts the man. His promises stand. God is not a liar. Never. Satan is. In fact, the Bible tells us he's the father of lies. So any lie, any untruth, you can always know where it came from. It did not come from God the Father. It did not come from Jesus Christ. It does not come through the Holy Spirit. It does not come from the Word of God because none of those are guilty of being untruthful. There's only one, and he, he is the devil. And he is the father of every lie that exists. So you should be able to identify what is true and what is not very easily. A lot of times we're guilty of telling ourselves lies about ourselves. Well, God can't love me. God can't love me. 
all the things that I've done, the way that I've lived my life, the way that I have uh, just gone away from him, how could he love me? See, when you start talking to yourself like that, you're lying to yourself because he does love you. He loves you when you were yet a sinner. He loves you. So instead of saying, oh, you're a sorry sack of shaving cream. Instead of telling yourself that all the time, just say you are an heir of the Father. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have royal blood flowing through your veins. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am everything that he has called me to be. Thankful to Jesus. Amen. His promises will stand. Whatever he said he'd do, he's going to do it. I don't know all the details of it. I can't always tell you the timeline of it. But I'm telling you, we've got to live like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who when they were forced with going into the fiery furnace, they said, you either bow down and worship our God right now, or we're going to throw you into the furnace. We're not going to bow. Well, then make the fire hotter than it already is, and they turned it up seven times hotter than it had been before, and they said, now, bow down to our God and worship, or we are going to throw you into the furnace. No, we will not worship because our God, the God that we serve, he is able to keep us from going into the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, that's okay. We are still not going to worship. And you know, you know that Jesus came into their trial with them. He did not deliver them from the fire, but he went into the fire with them. Listen, I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. God may not be delivering you from it, but I promise you that he is in the middle of your difficulty right now with you to save. And he'll do what he said he'd do. My last point today. Come on, Justin. He knows the plan. He trusts the man. His promises stand. Did you, know, did you notice the rhyming today? I, I did it for you so that you'd be able to sing it back to yourself later this week. What pastor say, Sonny? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. He knows the plan and he trusts the man. Those promises stand. And the last point, his kingdom expands. I've been preaching that to you for 13 years. If we'll expect the best, if we'll explore our faith in every situation, then the kingdom of God will expand not only within us, but all around us. He will use you to expand his kingdom. Touch yourself. Say, I am the man. If you're a woman, just say, I am the woman. <laughs> no, I ain't going to say that. Sometimes you just have to back off. You know what I'm saying? This is one of those moments. But let me tell you, you're the right person for the job. You, you, you have been placed where you are and in your... You say, you don't know my family. Why do I have to be the one that wins them all to Jesus? 
they're all a bunch of reprobates. I don't even like them. Why do I have to be the one that preaches and teaches them about Jesus? Why me? Why can't Grandpa do it? He's about to die. He won't have to do it for very long. Why do I have to? God has strategically placed you where you are to make a difference in the lives of people who are all around you. Listen, you'll never be able to do that unless you are committed to Him, committed to His Word, committed to living by His Spirit. You have to do it. But when you do those things, the kingdom of God will expand all around you. How many of you have any prodigals in your home, in your family? Don't you want to see them come back down that road? Don't you want to be able to kill the fatted calf so that you can rejoice over their return? You know, it's possible that some of you that are in this house today, you are a prodigal. You're here, but only because somebody made you come. Only because somebody told you to come. Or maybe it's because you're so desperate you thought, maybe if I go to church, things will get better. No, it won't. So no, pastor, that's no way to grow a church. You've been talking about wanting to get the brown chairs covered up and all that kind of stuff. Don't tell people that if they come to church, it won't change their life. It won't! Only one thing that'll change your life, and that is to be in close communion with Jesus Christ. That's the only way. You see, in just a few moments, you're going to walk out of here. And if you think that came, coming to church one time in a week is going to change your whole situation this week, I got bad news for you. It's not going to do it. But I tell you what will is when you carry the Spirit of God who is active and alive within you. If when you walk out those doors and you release Him into your life and you say, all right, devil, I'm coming out of this church. I came here just for a fresh start and to meet some people I know love me and will pray for me. But when I walk out this door, devil, I'm coming into your territory and I'm going to kick the gates of hell down because you cannot prevent me from doing what I need to do. I'm going to do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next Sunday when I come walking in here I won't be dragging my tail tucked up between my legs I'm going to be wagging it like nobody's business because this week is going to be a week of victory for me God sent a man so what if he sends you are you up for the task stand with me if you will Who do you know in your life, in your territory, ter- territory that needs to be blessed? Who do you know? Who do you know that needs prayer? Who do you know that needs a text, needs a phone call? Who do you know? Oh, I know what some of you are thinking. It's their fault, though. They started it. They made me mad. 
because they made me mad I don't even want to talk to them. Can I, can I just speak a word to you today? Two words. Grow up. Be the man. Be the woman. <laughs> I'm not going there. I promise I'm not. I've left the door open several times, but I'm just not going there. Be who you need to be in Christ so that you can do what he's called you to do and impact those who are around you. Prayer team, I want you to come and prepare yourself to minister to those who need prayer today. And I've asked Justin if he would help me with an old song. Now, I wasn't mean to him this week. Last night, sent him the music, sent him the chord sheet, sent him the lyrics, even told him who used to sing it years ago. You ever hear a guy named Jimmy Swaggart? Three of you, praise the Lord. He wrote this whole song that says, Jesus used me. And if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. Carolyn, are you up at Carolyn's gonna help me sing it? Always get Carolyn on the stage when you're singing an old song. She knows it. You don't know it the first time through, listen, and then when you get it, sing it. And if you need prayer, come on down while you're singing it and let these fine folk pray with you this morning. Oh, Jesus, use me and
pause for just a moment. We're going to sing a little more of it in just a minute. I want everybody in the building to think of someone that you know and you have some kind of relationship with them who's in a very dark place and difficult place. Doesn't matter what the circumstance is. Could be that they just need to meet Jesus. Could be that they need some wisdom to walk through a situation that they're going through. They never thought they'd have to deal with. Could be a financial situation. Job, employment, whatever. Whatever it is. Sickness. Disease. I want you to think of one person. One person that you know is in a dis desperate situation right now. Have you thought of them? You got them right here? Here's what I'm asking you to do this week. I want you, first of all, to pray for yourself. Here's what I want you to pray. Lord, help me to be the individual Notice I didn't say man or woman. The individual who can make a difference in their life this week. And Lord, I promise to do the following things for that one person. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to call them or I'm going to text them or I'm going to send them an email. And I'm going to let them know that they are not alone. They have somebody who's thinking about them and caring for them. Now, can you do that? Can you be that individual who will take on that project and say, I can make a difference in their lives? Send them a card in the mail. Let them know they're not alone. But God has already set it up so that someone will be there to encourage them this week. Can you do that? Now, I want us to pray for that individual right now. But before we do... I just feel like in my spirit today, before we leave, I need to ask this question. How many of you know that if Jesus were to come back again today, or you were to leave this earth by way of the grave, are you saved? Are you a believer in Christ? You know that all is well with your soul? If not, and if you need to come to Christ and become one of His children and enter into a relationship with Him, as we pray and then sing this song one more time, I want you to step out of your seat and come down here and let us pray with you that God will save you and forgive you of your sins. Now, do you have that person in your mind? 
Let's pray right now for them in Jesus' name. Lord, right now we pray on behalf of that individual that you brought to our mind. Lord, I'm certain that there are various and different circumstances and situations that they're facing. But I know that regardless of what it is that they're up against, that they can make it. Now, they need some help. They need somebody to stand beside them. They need somebody to encourage them. They need somebody who can give them a word of wisdom. They need somebody who can just stop by their house and wrap their arm around them and give them a hug around their neck or around their shoulder. They just need to know that they are loved by someone. And so, God, I'm asking you to help us to be your hand extended. Like the old song says, oh, to be your hand extended. That's what we want. Extend our hands on behalf of the kingdom of God and be a blessing to those who are in need. Help us to do that. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask it and I pray for the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Now, if you need to be saved today, if you need to come to Jesus, as we sing this chorus one more time, I want you to come and let us pray with you. Oh, Jesus, use me. Will you come? Today, I want you to find somebody and I want you to do this. I want you to just pull your gun on them like this and say, you're the man. Don't shoot them, just you're the man. If it's a woman, say you're the woman. If you get confused by it, just say you are the individual. 
Let God use you this week. Okay, church? God bless you. Have a wonderful time in the Lord.